Yes, yes, it is that time again, the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Kasugi, and thank you guys for downloading and listening to another edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Great to be back. Had a great show last week, coming back from vacation, so now we're back into the grind of things, doing it once again here on the Chief Zone Podcast. You can download and listen to the podcast through iTunes. Be sure you hit the subscribe button on there, and you guys can also listen on various other outlets such as Stitcher, Google Play, uh, several other podcasting outlets out there so be sure you do check out the Chiefs on Podcast wherever you wish also you have to talk to me on social media give my Facebook page a like facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian you guys can also follow me on Twitter send me a tweet at Farzine 21 and email me as well Farzine at Farzine Vesugian I want to give a big thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday on Sunday the Sunday the 21st I celebrated my 26th birthday so uh, I've got to say, 26 doesn't feel a whole lot different uh, than 22. So for those of you who are uh, under 21, you know, enjoy those milestones while they last. Because after that, the only milestones you really celebrate are, are your 30th, 40th, 50th, those kinds of birthdays the most. And I've got to be honest, too. And again, I really do appreciate all the tweets, Facebook posts uh, that I got from all of you guys uh, over the weekend. Uh, I, I've got to say, personally... Uh, and I know everyone's different about this. Me, I really don't make a big deal out of my birthday. For, for me, it's just another day. If I if I could have it my way, I'd like to relax. My family took me to a vacation last year. We went to Cancun on my birthday. First time I had actually been out of town on my birthday. The thing about the timing of my birthday is in high school, I would always, you know, of course my family would, would always have something for me, you know, friends as well. But uh, that was also like the same day, you know, I had finals during that time, so... It's not like I uh, I was either studying for finals or it was the day of finals. So uh, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to, uh, to hang out or, or really do a lot. Just enjoy the day, take it off, be lazy. Uh, it was more of a, hey, you know, happy birthday, here's your cake, and enjoy the presents. And then, you, you know, of course, you want to pass your class, you got to ace your finals. So my first semester of co- my first full year of college... Uh, I was at Johnson County Community College, and after my last day was on May the 20th. So the first day of summer after my first year of college was on May the 21st, which, as I mentioned, is my birthday. So that was really the first birthday I had had uh, where I really just relaxed and just kind of enjoyed the day. So uh, I've always had a greater appreciation, and of course, as I've gotten older, uh, just to be able to enjoy the day. I know uh, I have a co-worker. She mentioned for her 30th birthday she wants to have a 90s-themed birthday or something. I don't, I don't know what people are up to these days with their birthday celebration. Me personally, uh, I, I, it's just another day for me. I'm happy to be alive, happy to be able to have a job, be able to work, be able to live a good life. Uh, so, but still, nonetheless, I really do appreciate all your birthdays or all, all your birthday posts. Me personally, I just... I just like to, to relax on my birthday, which is what I was able to do uh, this past Sunday. And I've been able to do that the past few years, especially since I don't have any finals. You know, colleges tend to wrap up a little bit, uh, earlier in the Kansas City area uh, before uh, you get to the 20s uh, in the month of May. So uh, that's something that I've always had a great appreciation for, just to be able to not have school uh, by the time my birthday comes around ever since I've uh, been a college student. So that's something I've always appreciated. Lot to get into in this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Alex Smith spoke out and gave his thoughts on his future 
with the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, one current Chiefs player is suing his alma mater. I'll tell you who that is in just a moment. Plus, Derek Johnson provides an update on his recovery. And one rule change that is taking place, or at least that's being proposed, and it's a rule change that I completely disagree with. I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again because it seems like owners are going to vote on this very soon, and it's a rule change that I am not in favor of. They have already altered the rule uh, with this before. They've changed it, and I was not a big fan of it, and they're looking to change it again, and I can just see it causing more issues when they think that it'll actually benefit the players, something I disagree with. So I'll get into that in our Around the NFL segment. Plus, we'll go out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags for this past weekend. But first, Alex Smith spoke out to ESPN in an interview he did, and he mentioned that he knows that his, basically he, he knew his his time is, is, is numbered here in Kansas City. And understandably so. I mean, look, who who trades up 13 picks up and takes a quarterback and still goes with their original guy? A lot of people are saying Alex Smith is still the guy this year. Uh, man, you know, I, I just have a hard time really buying that because if you trade 13 spots up for Patrick Mahomes, you know, let's get him out there. Me personally, listen, I think we all know, and I'm not, I'd love to be wrong on this, but I think we all know that we're not going, the Chiefs are not going to win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. You're not going to get that from a Chiefs team led by Alex Smith. So instead of going 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 with a first round or second round exit, I'd be content with a 9 and 7 record, an 8 and 8 record, or maybe if the Chiefs are very fortunate to have a 10 and 6 record with Patrick Mahomes and just let him develop, learn from his mistakes and not do it his sophomore year in the NFL for the 2018 season. Because the reason I say that is this defense, we don't know how much time we have left with some of these guys. You've got Derek Johnson and Tom Bahali. Yes, they're aging players, and Derek Johnson kind of took a bit of a step back before that injury. And again, as I mentioned, I'll get to Derek Johnson later, but Tom Bahali, he he still makes plays. Derek Johnson still makes plays from time to time. You've got an outstanding pass rusher in Justin Houston. I think for the most part, you still have a very solid defensive line. I know that you lost Jay Howard. Uh, he was let go before the draft. Ontario Poe moved on to Atlanta. But I think you still have some strong pieces. The Chiefs did at Benny Logan and also kept Allen Bailey. And also, don't forget, Chris Jones was uh, drafted last year by the Chiefs, and he made a big impact as a second-round rookie, a, a guy who proved that he should have been taken sooner. sooner he should have been taken in the first round. And then, of course, you know you've got D. Ford, a guy who really developed and had his breakout season last year, was quiet near the end of the season. So we'll see if he can duplicate more of that hot streak he had rather than that quiet one uh, this time around. Plus, Kansas City's got an outstanding secondary. I think Eric Berry and Marcus Peters, gosh, I don't know if you can find me a better cornerback safety duo in the NFL. I, I think this duo is what we expected from Brandon Flowers and Eric Berry. And, and uh, no disrespect to Brandon Flowers, it's just he never had this kind of an impact. So this defense, I, I, this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. I, there are a couple of holes on this defense, more so when it comes to stopping the run. But 
that didn't hurt the Chiefs too much. I think there were maybe two games this year where the defense kind of had a hand in the loss against Tennessee and Tampa Bay where those two offenses used the run very well, exploiting that weakness from Kansas City and dominated time of possession. But again, it it only hurt the Chiefs twice this year. So for the most part, this is a Super Bowl caliber defense to me, and I think they'll be able to improve against the run this season. The biggest thing for me is, who knows if this defense is going to stay intact for much longer. I mean, in, in three years, four years, some of these guys are going to become free agents. Holly and, and Johnson are for sure going to be retired in the next three or four years. They're not. They're probably not even going to be playing football. They both have made it clear they want to retire as Chiefs, which, look, as Chiefs fans, you, you can appreciate that. There's not much more you can ask for from those two guys when they want to put their heart and soul on the line for Chiefs fans. But the thing is, with this offense, this offense is not a Super Bowl caliber offense. It's just not. And I think with Patrick Mahomes, yeah, sure, you could move into that direction of being a Super Bowl type of offense. But if you think you have that, let's let's develop it. Let's get it going. Let's fail a little bit with Patrick Mahomes. Let him learn from his mistakes in 2017 rather than keep Alex Smith and lose again in the first or second round of the postseason. Why not go through some of the grueling times with Patrick Mahomes. That way, when it comes to his sophomore season in 2018, that 2017 season will be totally worth it. That learning curve, that little step back from a 12-4 and AFC West winning season will be worth it because Patrick Mahomes will have learned his mistakes. And I think just in general, when you have a job, when you work somewhere, when you make a mistake one time, maybe two times, it just sticks in your head. You're you're always going to remember those mistakes, and you're going to tell yourself, I'm not making this mistake ever again. I made it once, sometimes twice. Uh, this is something I'm not going to make a mistake again. And I think for Patrick Mahomes, he's got to be able to go out there and you got to just throw him in there with the Wolves. That's the only way you learn. And I know people are going to say, well, he has OTAs, which are starting very soon for the Chiefs. They've got training camp. They've got preseason game. Let's be real, though. Those games, first of all, in practice, those are not necessarily, you're you're not going hard. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be receiving the 100% realistic effort of a pass rusher. I mean, they're not going to chase him around. If they get to him, they're just going to stand there because they obviously don't want to hurt the quarterback. And in preseason games, look, you're going up against backups for the most part. And even if you are going up against starters, a lot of times teams just tend to test things out in preseason games. If Listen, I guarantee if the Chiefs and Patriots had a preseason game and if the Chiefs just annihilated Tom Brady in the offense and just gashed through that Patriots starting defense, Chiefs fans are going to start talking about the Super Bowl. You can never take preseason games seriously. Everyone is trying things out. All these teams that drafted players early, they want to get them out there and just kind of let them test the waters. So really the only real experience you can get is just playing a regular season game. But Alex Smith, I think a lot of people are saying that this is going to be a backup season 
for Patrick Mahomes, which I'm strongly still in disagreement with. I know a lot of people have bought into the notion that Alex Smith is a starter. Alex Smith did make the comment on ESPN that he knows that this could be his final year and that he thinks this is the last year that the Chiefs are committed to him. He's going to be making, if I'm not mistaken, $16.9 million this year. And look, again, I'm not I'm not bashing Alex Smith. I'm certainly rooting for him. As I said at the beginning of this segment, I would love to be wrong, and I'd love to see Alex Smith lead the Chiefs to a Super Bowl win and Gosh, if that happens, what? Who, 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 who's your quarterback? Especially if Alex Smith has a big year, it makes a giant impact. I mean, then what do you do with your quarterback for the following season? But again, I think that's a very slim chance. Realistically, we know that the Chiefs are not going to be led to the promised land with Alex Smith. I just don't see that happening. And that's why I think you need to maybe just put in Patrick Mahomes. And look, if it happens, possibly suffer a setback year where, no, maybe you don't win 12 games, but you win 8, 9, 10. If you make the playoffs, great, you make the playoffs. Uh, but let Patrick Mahomes get in there and, and develop him. Let Andy Reid develop him. And the only way, again, you can do that is just by going out there and, and, and playing. Think of the time when you were being trained at work. If you've got your training wheels on, and if you've got someone watching over your back or you have to watch theirs, I mean, there's really not, yeah, sure, you're, there are some stuff you're learning, but the only way you'll learn is if the person training you is not even there and you're just doing it all by yourself. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. We all did that in our first week of any of our jobs. Uh, I still remember some of the jobs I worked as a teenager, uh, working in retail, fast food, and uh, some of the mistakes I made in once I learned my lesson there, I never made those mistakes again. And that's not to say Patrick Mahomes will never throw an interception if he does again. Everyone's going to make their mistakes in, in pro football, but uh, they'll minimize them after they learn the first time. They don't let it happen as often. At least the good ones do. And listen, I think if you trade up 13 spots for a guy, I think you're pretty confident in the fact that he'll minimize his mistakes and not let them happen again moving forward. So there we have it. Alex Smith speaking out on ESPN, mentioning that he understands the business of of, of football and the way it works, uh, and he knows that you know he hasn't he has not been able to get the job done. I'll say this about Alex Smith right now: I don't know if there was another player in NFL history. And again, uh, being a younger football fan, I don't have the greatest knowledge of of the NFL every single season and whatnot. Uh, so maybe maybe an older fan could chime in on this on Facebook and Twitter: facebook.com/slash/farzivasug and also. Uh, send me a tweet at Farzine21. Is there another player in NFL history that's had a roller coaster career like Alex Smith's? This guy was the number one overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers. Mike Singletary came in. Well, first of all, he didn't do very well early on, so immediately he was labeled as a bust. Then he got another chance again. Mike Singletary goes in there and. Smith's not doing so hot, and people are questioning Alex Smith's toughness. Harbaugh goes in there, and Alex Smith becomes a really good quarterback, and the 49ers are winning games. Boom! As soon as something goes right for him, he gets hurt, and Colin Kaepernick takes the 49ers to a Super Bowl, and Alex Smith is watching from the sidelines. Then he comes to Kansas City, and in his first year with the team, he goes 9-0, and so... This And another thing to kind of keep in mind with Alex Smith, he's the first quarterback that the Chiefs have won a playoff game with since Joe Montana. Yes, Joe Montana. So all the quarterbacks the Chiefs have had over the years, quarterbacks that have led the Chiefs 
to AFC West titles, Trent Green and Matt Castle, those guys never led the Chiefs to a playoff victory. Alex Smith hit did. And again, I look, we can go on and on about the opponent and how the Texans weren't as great. Uh, they won off a weak division. Look, the Texans have been in a division where there's Andrew Luck in that division. And the Texans, who probably have the worst quarterback system the past two years in the NFL, still have won that division. Now listen, I'm not saying the quarterback position is everything. It is almost everything, I'll say that much. Uh, but if you have a bad quarterback on your team, it, it, you can still find ways to to win. The, the Denver Broncos winning a Super Bowl with a really struggling Peyton Manning, that's an extremely rare situation. Rex Grossman and the Chicago Bears going to the Super Bowl, that's also a very rare situation. We, we see that once a decade, pretty much. So overall, the, the whole th- notion of uh, who, who the Chiefs beat in the postseason, look, you can only play who's on your schedule. And at that point in time, the Texans and the Chiefs did enough to make it to the postseason in in that year, and they faced off in the postseason that year. So Alex Smith has led the Chiefs to a playoff win. Trent Green didn't. Matt Castle didn't. And those are guys who won an AFC West title while they were quarterbacks for the Chiefs. Alex Smith, the year the the Chiefs uh, snapped that long postseason drought, they were a wild card team. So, yeah, yes, Alex Smith did eventually get a postseason, or uh, pardon me, an AFC West title as a Chiefs quarterback, but that was when he already had led the Chiefs to a win in the playoffs. So, it is kind of crazy just to see the career Alex Smith has had, and I just don't know if you can find me another player in NFL history that has had the up and down, up and down, up and down career that Alex Smith has had. It, it, it's tough. It really is tough. The quarterback position, it's it's a highly criticized position. And look, we here in Kansas City, we, we criticize those quarterbacks quite a lot. So, And I'm sure other markets do as well. But uh, I know here in Kansas City, it's, it's, it's been the most criticized. Even when Alex Smith showed that he's much better than what the Chiefs had before with Brady Quinn, uh, Matt Castle, a couple other guys in the mix as well. Uh, yet, the Chiefs fans still aren't content with who they've had under center. And listen, I think last year for me was kind of the last straw with Alex Smith because of the way he performed. And I've mentioned it plenty of times. We don't need to go over it again. But it's 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 been kind of a tough career. And it's uh, he mentioned it in the article on ESPN. He understands the business. And when he doesn't get the job done, then you're not going to be around much longer. And that's why team a team like Kansas City – Went out there and got a quarterback in the first round. Want to switch to the other side of the football and talk about Derek Johnson, Chiefs inside linebacker, who, by the way, I read this article in the Kansas City Star. He's entering his 13th season. And if I if I remember correctly, I was a freshman in high school when Derek Johnson got, I think that was his first year or the year he got drafted. So technically I was actually in middle school when Derek Johnson got drafted and just time flies quite a lot. I mentioned my birthday, I'm 26. So uh, crazy to see how long he has really been a member of the Kansas City Chiefs and just everything. And he's kind of had a roller coaster career too while we're on the subject. Uh, this is not as crazy as Alex Smith's journey, of course, but... Uh, this is a guy who's also gone through a lot, and now he's finally playing some of the best football he's ever had, and I think Romeo Cornell has a big hand in that. The Chiefs, a former defensive coordinator, 
who came in and really turned Derek Johnson into an elite stud. And we've seen some of his best years since Cornell has came to Kansas City and was the defensive coordinator and briefly the head coach at the time. But Derek Johnson, he was at the Kansas Speedway. Uh, of course, the Kansas Speedway was the site for some uh, NASCAR events last weekend. And Johnson was an honorary pace car driver for the event, which was, I don't know what that is. Sounds pretty cool, though. Uh, I'm not a big NASCAR guy. I, I think I've said that before, but hey, still pretty cool to be out there, uh, recognize, have an honorary moment for the event. So that's always nice to see. So Derek Johnson was there, and he was interviewed by some of the media in t- attendance there at the NASCAR event, and he talked about how he's on track to be ready for training camp. Probably will not participate a whole lot in OTAs, but mentioned that after OTAs are over, he'll go back to Texas, get his body right, and stick to the plan, and should be ready for training camp. And I kind of mentioned this when I was talking about why the Chiefs should go with Patrick Mahomes because the Chiefs defense, the the guys who you have now, the great talent pool you have on that defense right now, their days are limited. In a couple of years, you're going to see guys retire. Some of them, One of them might even be shockingly released or traded. You never know. A lot can happen in a couple of years. Uh, I just... I just still, I still believe in Derek Johnson. I really do. I still think he had a uh, kind of a, a backtrack uh, 2016 year when the Chiefs won the AFC West. But when his ab- when he was absent, you could also feel his impact being missed too, because teams were able to exploit the the, the run a little bit more against Kansas City. And especially in that postseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, no, the Steelers never got a touchdown, but still uh, that dominant rushing attack led by Le'Veon Bell uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that allowed the Steelers to get six field goals. And unfortunately, I, I know this is kind of a topic of conversation. That was still enough for the Steelers to come away with a win. Uh, just the uh, six field goals alone was enough. And I, I think had Derek Johnson been there, would we have seen a difference? You never know. I mean, maybe he would have had a great game stopping the run, stopping Le'Veon Bell. Maybe he would have had a horrible game. You, you We can't really sit here and speculate as to what could have happened. Uh, I, I think for the most part, most part generally, we, we, we would like to think that he might have made a bit of a difference. So uh, it's a topic we could go on and on about, and yet we'll get nowhere. We'll just get back to the point where... The Chiefs lost a football game. So uh, this is a guy who I think the Chiefs uh, still want. They're, they're, of course, patient with him. He took a pay cut to stay here in Kansas City. Uh, he, he really believes in this team. And even with everything he had gone through, with the Todd Haley doghouse situation, I think he had every reason to not want to come back to Kansas City, yet he did. He still came back. I mean, he's gone. Like I mentioned with Jamal Charles last uh, podcast, Derek Johnson has been around for a long time. I think he and Dustin Colquitt are the longest tenured Chiefs on the roster right now, along with Tom Bahali. Uh, I mean, those guys have seen some of the worst moments in Chiefs history, yet they still st- stuck around. And, of course, they've seen some of the greater moments in Chiefs history. That 9-0 start after a horrible 2012 season. The, the Finally getting that postseason win in uh, in 2015 against the Texans. So, this is a guy who the Chiefs definitely want to keep around, and fortunately they were able to uh, make some changes with his contract, restructure it so he can stay in Kansas City. And, of course, he, he's pretty much made it clear with that restructure. Uh, that's enough for, for us to confirm that he wants to be a Chief for life. He wants to retire in Kansas City and 
one day go up in the ring of honor and be remembered as a guy who was in Kansas City his, his entire career. He's done everything except for win a Super Bowl. And that the same goes for Andy Reid. The same goes for Alex Smith. The same goes for just about every single guy on this roster. If I'm not mis- I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who has a Super Bowl ring that's on the team right now. Uh, Coaching-wise, yeah, you've got Emmett Thomas. Uh, that's really all that comes to my mind. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even uh, expect to go, go this much into the topic, but uh, Emma Thomas really the only one who comes to my head as a guy who has a Super Bowl ring. But point being, uh, this is something Derek Johnson has never accomplished, and he really wants to have that, uh, and he wants it here in Kansas City. So like I said before, the, before we started things off here, you can't ask for much more from these guys that, yes, they're aging, yes, they're tired, They've gone through so much in their careers here in Kansas City, yet they still want to stay in Kansas City when, again, they had every reason, every intention to want to leave Kansas City, and they didn't. Uh, I think so many people who would have been in their shoes, the easy thing would have been to want to leave, and you couldn't you couldn't really blame anyone if they did that. But uh, those guys decided not to, especially Johnson, man. I, I mentioned the Todd Haley thing. That, that could be the most discouraging thing someone goes through, and I think that... Uh, Pick, pick six that he had, a pair of pick sixes against Denver, and Jamal Charles also had a field day against that defense. I think that saved his career. It really did. I think had he not done that in the season finale to prevent Denver from getting a playoff berth, he probably would have been a free agent that year. And who knows after that. So uh, it's really cool just to see how much he's evolved here in Kansas City. And even cooler just to see the fact that he wants to stay in Kansas City and wrap up his career as a member of the Chiefs. One last thing I want to get into before I wrap up the show, before we go around the NFL, out of bounds, and I throw my penalty flags. This is something I forgot to talk about last podcast. And uh, Bob Fesco of Six Nine Sports Radio, who we've had on the show before, he shared a post from a Chiefs fan. And I guess this Chiefs fan went on the Chiefs website, and the Chiefs now have a partnership with uh, Community America. And there is one of the spiral ramps is blue, which is the color for Community America. Now, inside the stadium where the seats are, they still have the Community America posters, but it is red. However, in the spiral ramp, they have a spiral ramp that's specifically called the Community America Gate. And I guess uh, one Chiefs fan saw that, shared some of the photos, and was angry. Talked about tradition and the fact that it's blue and that the Denver Broncos, of course, a a rival of the Kansas City Chiefs, their primary color is blue and orange. And uh, there was just too much blue in that spiral ramp. And I guess Chiefs fans were angered by this. Bob Fesco shared And Fesco's a very active guy on social media. So whatever he talks about, a lot of fans tend to follow suit and talk about that as well. And this caught the attention of even more Chiefs fans, and Chiefs fans who saw this were, for the most part, very irate over the fact that there was blue on a spiral ramp. Let me just say this. Do I think it's ridiculous that you have blue? Yeah, of course. I mean, you want to see the red and gold painted all over the stadium, sure. But let me just say this, too. Are we really complaining about something that doesn't matter? I mean, are we really, like, like, let's just say this right now. If the Chiefs 
don't make the playoffs this year. Are we going to blame a spiral ramp? A partnership that which the Chiefs are getting money for? I mean, because at the end of the day, these are things that really don't even matter. Reminds me a couple of years ago when the Chiefs were changing their touchdown song because of the controversy with Gary Glitter and all of that. Fans were so upset that, you know, it's quote-unquote just a song, which, by the way, is easy to say if you were not affected by that incident. But, uh, you know, I think in cases like this, teams really want to stay away from any controversies, especially in this day and age where people will tie in anything just to get views or try to stir up stir up some sort of drama that doesn't even matter but again that touchdown song yeah i get it music's a different thing because it pumps people up that's why baseball players have walk-up songs but at the end of the day does it really matter what song you have in other words does the song really make an impact on the team's record whether they win or lose does a blue spiral ramp a community america partnership does that really affect whether the Chiefs are going to win or lose games. I personally couldn't, couldn't care less that the Chiefs had blue a blue spiral ramp, essentially. I really could not care less. To me, it's a partnership. The Chiefs are gaining more money out of this. So listen, me personally as a fan, if the Chiefs are gaining more money from, from a company like Community America, I'm all for this because that obviously translates into receiving money for the Chiefs, which then could translate to how can we improve the football team? How can we improve the parking situation? Which God knows that's another topic for another podcast. How can we improve the stadium? What can we do? What other amenities can we add that'll attract fans and make them want to come to Arrowhead uh, more often? So if anything, this is benefiting the Chiefs from a fan's perspective because this could turn into stadium upgrades, the money you're receiving from this. So, by all means, I don't really see the reason why people are getting worked up over what color the walls of a spiral ramp are. Because they it's the same color as a division rival. I, I, I just don't see the reason to be worked up and upset about it. Yes, I love, I, I love the color red, and part of it is because I'm a big Chiefs fan. But uh, for the most part, I just don't see... It, it's one of those things that just don't even matter. It They truly do not matter. So... I'm a big UFC fan, as you guys know. I write for CagePages.com and uh, also host the Cage Zone podcast. The UFC has a poster for their upcoming pay-per-view, UFC 212. And it's a horrible poster. I mean, these posters, these are posters that fighters sign and they sell them at these events for 100 bucks. Basically, the way the poster looks, it's kind of like playing cards where if you hold a card, you flip it upside down. It's the same thing. The UFC has six fighters, three on top, three on bottom, and if you flip the poster upside down, you, you I mean you're basically getting the same poster just with a different fighter right side up. And so many fans are outraged by this, but again, is that going to impact whether or not that pay-per-view is going to be good, whether the matches are going to be good or worth buying or worth buy, spending a for to getting to getting a ticket for? No, it absolutely doesn't matter. So I think this day and age, we we get worked up over anything, especially when it has minimal impact on on a team, on society, on our on our economy, on politics, whatever the case might be. Uh, so I think we really need to just sit back and relax and just understand it's a sponsorship, it's a spiral ramp. If they listen, 
if they change the red seats to blue and orange, oh, okay. I mean, that's that's kind of weird. But again, the Chiefs used to have a green wall at one point. Let, let's not forget about that. That never impacted the way the Chiefs won or lost games either, too. Are you guys outraged by this? Do you not care? Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Yes, to send me a tweet at Farzine21. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. As I mentioned earlier, OTAs are going to get underway soon for the Chiefs. On Tuesday, they get underway. Uh, So uh, for those listening by now, OTAs have started for the Chiefs. The thing about OTAs and training camp, I I don't like to make a big deal out of those. To me, I just like to see, first of all, everyone be injury-free. No injuries take place. Unfortunately, those things have happened in the past in OTAs and even training camp. You know, preferably guys are there even though it's voluntary because you want to get to know some of your new teammates. Maybe there are some new things implemented in the playbooks. You want to get loose, just kind of get used to being around your teammates. So those are the important things to me. And I remember a Chiefs red coder. And I've shared the story again. And I also understand the job of a Chiefs red coder is to, they're an ambassador of the team. They have to promote the team. They, they have to try and help uh, fans buy tickets and watch the watch the team. But I remember a Chiefs red coder was trying to sell me on Brody Croyle and was saying, Brody Croyle looks great in OTAs. And what does that mean? Uh, why does he look great in OTAs? Everyone looks great in OTAs. Everyone should be looking great in OTAs. You're not playing a real live game. So essentially, what is there? what reason do you have to not look great in OTAs? And of course, as we know, Brody Croyle just never really had the career that Herm Edwards wanted from him. I just want everyone to be healthy and and pretty much ready to go by the time the regular season starts. That goes for OTAs, training camp, of course. It's more vigorous. Uh, preseason games, you're playing a bit of more live action. But again, it's not, you're just not, everyone's testing things out. It's not a real situation. Just be ready to go by the time the regular season starts. If a player is struggling in OTAs and training camp, that's that, that's a disaster. Then that's something that you're, you're concerned about. So hopefully that's not going to be the case for the Chiefs when they get OTAs going and eventually move on to training camp. Outside of Kansas City, or going around the AFC West, the Oakland Raiders, they have a bit of a contract dispute with Derek Carr here, and they're trying to figure things out. Listen, let me just say this. With Derek Carr, you have to pay him. You have to extend his contract. You want that guy to be a Raider for life. And again, this is me, of course, sitting from a Raiders fan's perspective, which I know is very difficult to do if you're listening to this podcast. You're a Chiefs fan, of course. But let's do it for just a moment. Because think about it. Hasn't Derek Carr brought so much life to that Oakland Raiders team? Here's the thing. I'm actually glad that the Raiders are doing better because then that means the Chiefs and Raiders have a meaningful rivalry. The two teams that were dominating the the division, it was the Chiefs and Raiders. Those guys both had a 12-4 record, and I think the Raiders need to bring up David Carr. The Raiders have such a historic... They've got such a rich history. They really do. They've got to find a way to continue that. After all these bad years they've gone through and finally making the playoffs, despite Derek Carr being injured, this is a guy who has done so much to make the Raiders relevant again. You've got to give him the money. And do it sooner. That way it's not a distraction. Final topic. The NFL owners are going to be voting on shortening the overtime period from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. 
they already shied away from the sudden death rule and made it uh, it made it so there's a way that both teams can get an opportunity if a team uh, does not get a touchdown on the opening drive, which I think is ridiculous. You had 60 minutes to try and prevent overtime, and now we're giving teams another chance. I understand the Chiefs would not have won that game at Denver, that crazy overtime game that happened in Denver on Sunday Night Football. But again, I, I prefer sudden death. I think that is just a better system. And shortening overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes because of player safety? Trust me, five whole minutes. I know players are tired by that point, but five whole minutes I don't think is going to make a world's difference difference for player safety. It's just not. There's no way. Let them play it out if, if needed to. If you want to shorten overtime, go back to sudden death. Just go back to sudden death. I don't know why overtime is being messed with so much. It, it, it's pretty much turning into... You might you might as well call it the fifth quarter at this point. You may as well call it that because you're giving teams pretty much every opportunity to stay alive, which I don't think you, sh- you should. You have four quarters to do so and one last chance in overtime, and, and instead we're kind of turning it into a fifth quarter, which I absolutely loathe. Let's go out of bounds. All right, so Jari, uh, one of the backup offensive linemen for the Chiefs and a guy who's been a serviceable player when he's played on the field, he is suing his alma mater, the University of Central Florida, for, quote, using his likeness. And basically what that means is the UCF, anytime they have football programs or when they have football camps for kids, or just anytime they're trying to promote their football program, especially for recruiting, they use Jari's name, his pictures, and they're basically, essentially what they're saying is, hey, you could be like Ja Reed one day. And Ja Reed's not taken too kindly to that. And I guess I, I, I didn't know this was a thing. I mean, look, the Kansas Jayhawks, they use so many uh, former players. I, I mean, you look at the video production they use. They have so many former players on there. They have a lot of players that they promote even after their time with the Kansas Jayhawks. So this is kind of interesting. I've never seen a player actually be upset because his name is being used uh, by his alma mater. Because me, me personally, I feel like hey, I'd be I'd be happy if if they loved my presence while I was there and they still want to continue to promote me after my time. Especially because Ja Reed's a backup at the end. It's not like he's Willie Rofe. Or Will Shield. I mean, this is, again, a backup in the NFL, yet here is his alma mater using his name to try and help promote the program. So uh, it's kind of interesting. A a lot of details are missing from these reports from the Orlando Centennial fan cited and and the Kansas City Star all all mentioned this, but uh, there are a lot of things missing. I, I don't know really the details about this. So, uh, there might be fan cited mentioned that this could change the way colleges go about doing things like this. Maybe some colleges are going to be careful because this is apparently something you can sue for. So, uh, this is something that, uh, it's, it's kind of an ugly situation. You never want to have bad blood with your alma mater because they gave you such a big opportunity, but, uh, Jari's just upset about it. And, I guess in this case, he he's able to sue for it, which, again, uh, there are a lot of things you can sue for these days. Uh, I, I could be sued for doing this podcast just for talking. Uh, I, maybe if I use the word the, I could get sued. Who knows? One other thing I want to mention, and this is also Chiefs-related, 
But uh, Bleacher Report shared a video uh, of a track and field event. uh, And it's these uh, women running these hurdles. And there's one woman in particular... She is blazing through the hurdles. Now, when you jump a hurdle, obviously you got to make that jump. When you and when you elevate, your speed slows down a little, and you got to pick your speed back up be, right after you land on your feet after jumping the hurdle. This girl who's running, she is going full speed, and it doesn't even look like she's slowing down. Even when she's jumping the hurdle, it, it look like if you if we put a radar gun on this girl. She she it's probably not going to change much even when she's running those hurdles and when she got to the finish line she was there a whole two and a half to three seconds before the second place runner got there so crazy to see now people are wondering what does this have to do with the Chiefs I mentioned this on Facebook and Twitter and if you haven't checked it out checked out my posts yet that's Tyreek according to Justin March Lillard on Twitter that's Tyreek Hill's sister. And I'll tell you what, and this is kind of an unfair comparison because we're used to seeing Tyreek Hill in pads, but gosh, she she looks faster than Tyreek Hill. So, man, good for her. And here's, I know Tyreek Hill, so much was talked about uh, of his controversy when he was drafted by the Chiefs, so not a lot of positive things were mentioned, but I don't know. I, I, I guess there's like some, some sort of genetic in the Hill family where they're just extremely fast. I, I, I would love to see Tyreek Hill, his sister, Frank Gore and former Royals uh, speedster Gerard Dyson, who, by the way, recently hit his first uh, career walk-off home run. I'd love to see all four of them just kind of side-by-side and them running a mile and seeing who would be the fastest and how much of a difference there would be because we've seen a lot of scatbacks here in Kansas City for both the Chiefs and the Royals, so it's kind of pretty cool to see uh, someone from a, a family member of a Chiefs player, Tyreek Hill, uh, have some success and also get noted uh, by uh, some sports blogs. Sports blogs love posting videos like this, and Bleacher Report was uh, first to post it, and it just so happened that it was Tyreek Hill's sister who did this. So very cool to see. Uh, if you have not checked it out yet, go to my Facebook and Twitter pages. I have it up there. You'll ha- you might need to scroll down a little bit to look for it, but I do have it on there and. It is pretty impressive the way she goes over those hurdles and still runs full speed. Uh, She just smoked her competition. Pretty damn good. Let's throw some penalty flags. All right, I'll talk more about this on my podcast, The Cage Zone, which is also out now, but... The UFC had a retreat for their fighters in Las Vegas. A lot of fighters came down, and just seeing some of their posts on Twitter and Instagram, uh, a lot of fighters got together that they, uh, I mean, fighters who may not normally see each other as often, because it's not like the NFL where all the fighters are fighting at the same time, and everyone's fighting at different times throughout the year. And basically what they tried to do is get as many fighters together. They had special speakers. Kobe Bryant was there. They had Snoop Dogg. Uh, with uh, with a surprise concert for the fighters, and the fighters just kind of enjoyed their time in Vegas, which of course is the uh, fight capital world. And there's an incident with Chris Cyborg. For those who don't know, Chris Cyborg fought at Invicta FC, which is based out of Kansas City. Uh, dominant fighter, dominant female fighter, already uh, ranked as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters 
in the UFC. She was supposed to fight with Ronda Rousey, but Holly Holm KO'd Rousey, and Rousey was no longer the champion, so Holly Holm became the champion. And as you guys know, Holly Holm, or pardon me, uh, Ronda Rousey, she's been inactive. She hasn't fought much. So... Chris Cyborg has been wanting to fight, but there's no, no one's willing to fight her. Everyone's scared of this woman. Anyway, a lot of people have been badmouthing her behind her back on social media, despite n- people being afraid not wanting to fight her. So she came face to face with another UFC female fighter. And my colleague from CagePages.com and editor Nick Strickland, uh, he was the first to obtain the video, so it's exclusive. From CagePages.com, the the video finally surfaced, but there were reports that Chris Cyborg punched Angela Magana, who was a female UFC fighter. Not a very well-known UFC fighter, but Chris Cyborg punched her because Magana had made some negative remarks about Cyborg on Twitter. And Cyborg's kind of been sensitive because she's not getting promoted much, and a lot of people think it's because the UFC doesn't want to ruin its strong relationship with Ronda. And... Here, I mean, here we are. Cyborg just waiting for a chance. She wants to be able to fight. Now, she's part of a very thin division. A division that nearly doesn't even exist. She sucker punches another fighter in the street. And she's already been cited by Las Vegas police. And her career with the UFC could be in jeopardy. She was being investigated because there were some thoughts that she had been doping, using some banned substances, and now this incident happened. She was clean for that for that instance, but now she has this come up. And she feels like she's been disrespected, but gosh, you cannot go out there and just punch someone out on the street. I mean, you just hurt yourself by, by doing so. However, the UFC has seen some guys... Do some things outside of the octagon and they still give a chance to. Such as John Bones Jones. Uh, the amount of times he screwed up and still with the UFC. Listen, I don't think that you you let Chris Cyborg go. It's kind of like the whole Tyree Kill situation. I mean, look, he did what he did, but you, you're giving him a chance. John Jones has done a lot of things. The hit and run with the pregnant woman. The, the uh, banned substance use that he got suspended for all that and the UFC is still they still have him he's about to get a title shot too after a suspension is up so if John Bone Jones can get a slide from the UFC so can Chris Cyborg okay this fight goes to any university that's bringing in a politician as their speaker at a graduation I think it's uh it was Bethune Cookman in Florida, a historically black university that brought in Betsy DeVos. And by all means, this is not a uh, political thing, but I'll I'll keep it short. Uh, They bring in Betsy DeVos and fans were turning, or uh, not fans, uh, graduates were turning their backs. Parents and everyone in attendance were booing. Uh, then the chancellor threatened, he, she, he interrupted her during her speech and threatened that the diplomas would be mailed. Notre Dame recently had the vice president there for their graduation. Had Mike Pence there. And Notre Dame graduates, they started booing, and then they started walking off. Listen, here's my thing. Politics, people just don't want to be forced to to be in politics, to, to hear about it. It's uh, The way politics are covered are, are crazy these days. Why are universities bringing in politicians? I mean, this is a very controversial time with 
everyone involved in politics. Why are you bringing... First of all, what are these universities expecting? Do they really think that they're going to get a warm reception? Do they really... I know Donald Trump spoke at a... Uh, spoke at a, a, a commencement. Uh, he spoke at the uh, graduating class for the Coast Guard. It didn't get a negative reception like DeVos and Pence did, but... Uh, guys, for the most part, why are, why are you bringing in... I mean, look, they showed Pence up at the Super Bowl on the screen and people who were cheering for George Bush, the, the, the 41st President George Bush, when he made his return and when he was, of course, not in the best condition health-wise, they showed some shots of celebrities and when they showed Pence, people started booing uh, during that special occasion. So wh- why is it that universities are forcing graduates, parents, siblings, grandparents to to have to listen to a politician. I think when you're at a, an occasion like this, the last thing you want to talk about is politics. You want to enjoy the moment. You want your kid to be there to hear through this, the, the guest speaker. And universities are bringing in politicians. Uh, it's, it's just not a, the right time to do that. Uh, I mean, 10 years ago, if you brought in... George Bush to, to speak. I mean, no one would have had an issue with it. But today, it's just not the right time. So uh, there, there's a reason why not every single Patriots player was present uh, to celebrate their Super Bowl victory at the White House, uh, which is a tradition for, for sports teams to do when they win a championship. But uh, th- this is a time where just people don't want to have any sort of tie with politics. And shame on these universities. Uh, th- listen, these these universities aren't dumb. What were they expecting the reaction to be? It doesn't take a chancellor to know that there's going to be a negative a negative reaction from the crowd and from graduates, too. So, listen, uh, people want to voice their thoughts the way they did. Good for them. Um, but these universities should know better. That'll do it for this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate sure you guys downloading and listening to the show as always please subscribe on itunes if you enjoyed this episode share it on social media always appreciate it always helps out the show when you guys do that speaking of social media like my facebook page facebook.com slash farzine you can follow me on twitter at farzine21 if you want to talk to me privately you can do so farzine at farzinevesugian.com again thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to this episode of the chief zone podcast i'll be back next week After a long weekend, enjoy your guys' Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the time off after that weekend. I'll come back. We'll recap some of the events that have occurred for Chiefs OTAs and any other news and notes that we'll go over on the podcast next week. Enjoy your weekend. Take care.